0: Hey Katie. Hey Ben. So for this week's episode, we are running away.
1: <laughs> we are doing a bit of a, a rerun, you might say.
0: Oh God, there's so many puns in here. So many jokes. We also, can go on it's, pun it's, run. It's, <laughs> it's running season, right?
1: Oh, yeah. For those of us who are uh, into that sort of thing, yeah. So I. What uh, is
0: running season like? What makes it running season versus not running season? Is it just the weather or?
1: Well, so I'm training for a marathon, and marathons tend to be in the spring and the fall. So it's kind of the high season for fall marathons. So I've been doing a lot of that recently. And Anyway, this is all to say that we have a rerun episode for you uh, this week. This is a really good one from a while back, where we were talking about an analysis into a certain kind of running shoe from Nike. And they claim to make you faster when you race in them which is an interesting claim.
0: Yeah, they just attach those big metal springs to the bottom.
1: I mean, you're not that far off. There's like a plate inside the shoe that, wait, wait, wait. that bends, that's, and then... That's what the
0: episode is for.
1: <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Uh, but anyway, but the question is, okay, so they have these shoes that have nifty technology, and then people run faster in them, but is it because of the nifty technology? Or is it, you know, you think you're going to run extra fast, and so you go out and you buy nice shoes... I don't know. Anyway, it's pretty interesting, and it's a good episode, and it gives us a little bit of a breather over uh, Labor Day, so we hope you enjoy. Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben.
0: Today, can we talk about exercise?
1: Sure. Why do you ask?
0: Well, um, I mean, aside from the fact that I know that you have a topic prepared or (laughs) (laughs) running, aside from that, um, I just completely coincidentally have opened I opened Strava, which is this um, online uh, fitness and GPS tracking uh, service product thing. I opened that up for the first time in a year because I was thinking about starting to cycle to work. I was also starting uh, to think about running more regularly so it's kind of timely at least in my world that the very same day you would bring up this topic
1: well. Cool, then we should do the episode that we had planned to do.
0: <laughs> All right, that's amazing. Uh, you are listening to Linear Digressions.
1: Cool, yeah. So this article today uh, comes to us from uh, the Upshot at the New York Times, which is their more data-themed uh, you know, journalism sub-brand or whatever. And here's the here's the premise of the article. So Nike... As I'm sure you're somewhat aware, they do a lot of research on running shoes, and they're always trying to figure out what's the shoe that's going to make people the fastest, and they have this new shoe called the Vaporfly.
0: The <laughs> Vaporfly. <they> s- <laughs> yeah. I guess you got to get really creative with naming if you're in that market for that long, huh?
1: Uh, I guess so. I never even really thought about... Does this the- one have
0: like springs in it? Like, uh
1: It does. Yeah. So the whole thing, mm yeah. Oh, I was joking.
0: I was thinking Inspector Gadget style.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah. So the way it works supposedly supposed to make you, according to research that Nike funded, is supposed to make you up to 4% faster in a marathon, which is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, nominally the way that it does that is it has this really thick, uh, sole and then there's this carbon fiber or something kind of plate that's sort of like a spring. And so then when you land on it, it stores up the energy from the land from your footfall and like springs you off. And s- s- this makes you faster or more efficient or more efficient, I think is, is the premise. And then with the same amount of energy, you can run that much faster. So oh, it's supposed to I make see. you faster. Wow. That's the claim. But this is a really tricky thing to prove because, Mm -hmm. well, how would you actually prove that they're making people faster the way that you would, that you would do that kind of gold standard wise is you'd take probably thousands and thousands of runners and you would randomize which of them get these fancy new shoes and which of them get other shoes that are also, you know, fancy and nice, but these are the ones that we're focusing on. And then you would have them go out and run a bunch of races, and you would see who runs faster.
0: Mm-hmm. But this uh, is hard to do because it's hard to find that many runners to do, or is it just, like, logistically difficult?
1: Well, it's hard because you can't really randomize who gets the shoes, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, for example... You might see that if there's, well, we'll get to how they got their data set in a moment, but suffice to say for now that they got a data set of, you know, thousands and thousands of runners running races. Um, And you might see that the people who wear these shoes go faster, but maybe that's because, for example, uh, they're taking their training a lot more seriously. And so Mm. there's this correlation between how hard they're training, how seriously they're thinking about the marathon, and then they go out and track down extra fancy gear or maybe they're people right. who think that there's this psychological boost that they get from the shoes, and so it's like they 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 wear their shoes when they think they're going to have a really good race, and it's kind of like a good luck charm. And so wearing the shoe is an effect of being in really good shape. It's not a you know a, a cause of making you run faster. So it's will come so to go back to the data set. Uh, what they managed to get was. A really interesting data set from Strava, which we have spoken about on this podcast in other episodes. Uh, as you mentioned, it's this app that people use to track their training. And then you can also, it sounds like, hook it up to your GPS watch so you can actually time yourself in the marathon and have that be reported back to Strava. So from that, you can get thousands and thousands of uh, marathon uh, training plans and then the marathons themselves, and then match those up against public race records about how long people actually took to do some of these big marathons. So this right. is you know Boston and New York and Chicago and Berlin and these kinds of things.
0: And so people will put the gear that they use, including the shoes that they use, into Strava. So that this is like part of the data set.
1: Yeah, sometimes not always, but enough that they were able to get uh, oh, a pretty healthy sized data set. Yeah, And so get this data set that has for a bunch of people, a bunch of race reports and training reports and these kinds of things. And then the question is, how do you analyze this data to figure out if the shoes are making people better? Because that's a very particular question is, are the shoes causing people to be better? And the thing that I thought was cool about this article was they actually do that a bunch of different ways and we'll go through each of the four different ways. But the thing that's, that's interesting about that is that, you know, if you've been, if you've been working with data for long enough, you know, that if you, if you torture the data enough, it will confess to anything. Somebody, you know, made up that quote. And so it's not crazy to think that there's some way that we could slice and dice the data that would show that this shoe is, you know, even like a, a, a pretty well constructed causal inference type situation. You can show that this shoe seems to be having some effect, and but it could be just a fluke of the data. But the thing that's interesting is they tried lots and lots of different things. They had four different ways that they analyzed the data, and then with each four of each of those four, they had sub variations about exactly how they would add and subtract other other features and things like this, um, and found that the results were generally holding. Uh, or the pattern of results Whoa. was generally holding across all the different versions of the analysis that they did. So my point is it's uh it's much harder in those circumstances to argue that what you've found is just an artifact of of you know the details of the data or or a particular analysis method, but it instead says that there there does seem to be a really a real trend in the data. And the trend not to bury the lead here, is that it does look like the vapor flies are in three of the four analyses. They're very clearly at the front of the pack in terms of making people faster. And then in the fourth analysis, they're a very close second to a, to another shoe. So there does seem to be, at least from all the analysis they did here, a pretty strong trend that these are uh, pretty interesting shoes if you're a marathoner.
0: So this seems crazy to me because I like so I don't I don't know the story but just thinking about it right now sitting in front of this microphone like i can't i can't think of of one way to to like control for all of the different or at least a, a decent subset of the potential variables that confound the results right so I'm, I'm really curious if there are four different way, uh, four different ways that they that they did this i'm really curious to hear what they are
1: Yeah, cool. So let's do it. So the first is what they call using a statistical model. Uh, And you can just put in all of the variables that you could capture that you think could be confounding your result. And so I think reading between the lines here, they didn't say exactly which method they used, I don't think. But this sounds like like a linear regression or something. And so what you do in this case, they added in information like the runner's ages, their genders, uh, their race histories and they said other information, they were this was one of the ones where they were toggling things on and off to try lots of different combinations of features. So, you know, if you're doing something like controlling for age, when you add that age variable to your regression, like let's say you have a hypothesis that younger runners are faster than older runners and younger runners are wearing these shoes disproportionately. Right. Uh, that that would then Reflect if you naively looked at the data that would reflect in these shoes looking like they're faster when it's really actually just that the composition is different. So when you add age to the regression, it'll take out uh, that effect and it'll attribute the age effect to age. And then if there's something else, some additional difference between, say, older and younger runners, that would show up in the shoes. And you know, likewise for gender, uh, for race history, so race history gives you a way of controlling for basically how good the runner is. So you could imagine that there's some kind of, sounds like these shoes are pretty hard to get. Like one theory that you might have is that if you're a better runner you have access to say you get like pre-sales information on fancy new shoes mm, and so you're yeah. more likely to get these shoes. But if you're controlling for race histories then that allows you to subtract out that effect and and so on. Uh, and so anyway, that's the first method is just what they call statistical model. Um, and you see if there's any effect that's a, that's attributed to the shoes, but that's not attributable to any of the other things that you've controlled for. Oh, I see. All right. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. And so in that scenario, uh, they found that the vapor flies were, on the whole, you know, again, they're analyzing this over a large number of runners. Any, any single runner, it's really hard for you to know if the shoes are the single thing that are causing patterns that you're seeing, but they have lots and lots of runners in this sample, and the vapor flies were about four percent faster, uh, which is and that's pretty much their claim, right? Lie. Yep, yep. Wow. And just right. for context, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not a runner, they say that four percent faster on a marathon is about six minutes to a three-hour marathon, or about eight minutes to a four-hour marathoner. So as a as you know, eight minutes may not sound like a whole lot if you're running for four hours, but I've run a couple marathons and I can tell you it's actually really funny. That I've run two marathons and I ran the the same time down to the minute for both of them.
0: Wow, really? Um
1: yes, yeah, so I'm a very That's crazy. I'm a very consistent runner, as it turns out. Um and uh so you know, eight minutes is actually a really big deal. I ran yeah. a race uh this past weekend. I ran a half marathon and I actually, I did really well. I had a a PR, a personal record for myself, and, um, it was a personal record by about 30 seconds, maybe. Hmm. Um, and, but most of the other times that I've gotten have been within like a minute of each other. So anyway, my point is, you know, two minutes on two minutes on a half marathon, that's about a 4% difference yeah Uh, that's a huge difference that's you know a factor of four bigger than months and months of training to get ready for this thing so anyway my point is it's that's a lot anyway
0: i wonder i mean there are these shoes called rollerblades that you could use that could (laughs) i mean you know what what constitutes a shoe (laughs) I mean I'm being a little silly but
1: Well no I mean it's it's actually and that's one of the that's one of the hooks of the article is you know there are rules against performance enhancing yeah. stuff right uh and there's no there's no rule against these shoes but you know people are looking at them a little bit funny and they're like huh you know is when your equipment makes that much of a difference does it
0: yeah. Is that is that
1: legit or not? And I don't know. I'm not going to wade into that debate. But no, it's a it's it you're you made it as a joke, but that's actually a pretty serious point. I do. I mean, I
0: imagine that probably. I don't know. I I, I imagine there have got to be rules because, like, you know, you could put like little rockets inside of your. Actually, that would be a really difficult engineering challenge. <laughs> but like, you know, like where where is that line? I'm sure it's got to be dictated somewhere. Like your shoes have to be entirely passive or something like that.
1: But, oh yeah. Um, There's tons of really specific rules. I'm, uh, this is an aside. I'm listening to this audiobook right now about endurance athletes. And so they're talking about, for example, if you're running the, if you're trying to set a, an official world record in the marathon, for example, uh, you're allowed to have pacers, but you're not allowed to have pacers that swap out midway through the run; otherwise, it doesn't count as an official world marathon. And so, that's one of the things. The, that wait, makes, pacers
0: are people who run alongside you?
1: Yeah, yeah, they run alongside you, and they can also run in front of you, which blocks uh, wind resistance somewhat. Oh. And you know, over the course of a marathon, you know, if it makes you 30 seconds faster, that can definitely be the difference between a, a record and not. But you're not allowed to get fresh pacers halfway through the race. So what that means is if you want to set a world record in a marathon, you need another world record marathoner wow. to run with you the whole way. <laughs> um, you know, so like, that's actually a pretty serious rule about what it means to set one of these records. And a lot of, you know, a lot of other sports have kind of similar rules. Like in cycling, I was re- listening to, there's like this thing called the hour, And it's basically how far can you ride your bike in an hour? And so usually they'll do them on these velodromes, like these indoor track things. And there's all kinds of rules that they instituted about what, you know, what your bike has to be like and how you're allowed to time yourself. Mm -hmm. And are you allowed to have somebody out there with you helping you out or giving you any information about how you're doing? Like all kinds of stuff. So anyway, the, the idea that, uh, there could be a rule about what's allowed in your shoes is not necessarily any crazier than the idea that you're not allowed to have a little motor inside your bicycle mm. or whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so, okay. so
0: um, back on track. Yeah. That was method one, statistical kind of model. Yep. Yeah, what's next?
1: Number two. Um, so this is called difference of differences. And so what you do is you find pairs of runners who run two races, the same races, where they're very similar in the first race. And then one of them changes shoes to the vapor flies. The other one does oh. not. And then they run a second race at the same time. And this is conceivable because there's a lot of people who there's really big races that lots and lots of people are in. So you could imagine doing the Boston marathon in 2017 and you do the Boston marathon again in 2018. And if you can find pairs where there are two people who had really similar times in 2017, one of them switches shoes in 2018 and then you compare their times in 2018 and then, right. you know, any given Do that a bunch
0: of times, Yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. Any given pair, you know, somebody could just have a bad day or like somebody could, I don't know, anything can happen on any individual race. But when you count it up over many, many pairs, then the patterns start to aggregate. This result had a really similar one, uh, where the vapor flies were about 4% faster. For context, on both of these two methods, the next closest shoe was about 3%, and then most of the shoes are look like they're distributed between uh, you know, negative 1% and 1%. So 0% mm. is what you should expect, so 3% and 4%, you're going way out into the tails of the distributions. Right. Uh, so that was the difference in differences technique, and then a third way that you can do this is you can compare a runner to themselves before and after they adopt new shoes. Mm.
0: Interesting. So with the uh, with uh, um, what was it called? D- difference in d- different differences?
1: Difference in differences. Yeah.
0: Difference in differences. Okay. Uh, with that, you're comparing these two people who uh, probably are racing in many cases on the same day same weather, same all of this stuff, Uh, but the people are different. And so there may be variations in how those people are doing on on a particular day. Um, And I I guess I suppose this method, you're comparing differences in people too, but they are differences within the same person. Uh, But then you might have the differences of the localized conditions on the different days.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think a good illustration of this that made it a lot more concrete for me this is just a thing that helps. So these vapor flies, they only came out sounds like about a year and a half ago was when they first started being publicly available. So there's only been a few, like a, a relatively small number of really major races that have happened uh, since these shoes have come out. And by really major races, the ones I'm thinking of are the, the world marathon majors were the ones that they looked at the most carefully here. So that was New York, Chicago, Boston, Tokyo, Berlin, and London—I think—but anyway, those are you know these really big races that have tens of thousands of people, so you get lots of lots of statistics basically. Um, and anyway, the thing that's kind of interesting to note here is that the Boston Marathon this year in 2018 had terrible weather conditions. It was like 36 degrees, raining really really uh windy there was a headwind the entire time Um, like just terrible terrible conditions and so nobody in 2018 you know woke up that morning and thought i'm just gonna have a really great race today because the weather was just (laughs) so bad right Right. so stuff like that could mess up the um they could mess up something like, oh, I switched to new shoes, but I'm going to have a bad race here because I'm running Boston (laughs) in 2018. And it's just like, that's just my lot in life. But again, once you aggregate that over lots and lots of races, there are plenty of people who, you know, you compare their Boston 2018 to, I don't know, uh, let's say they did this analysis in in a few months and they compared it to Chicago 2018 and let's say Chicago 2018 has really lovely weather, uh, then you can get the effect sort of going the other way. And if you average that right. out over enough races then you can pick right. up on the on the overall trend.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: And this one I think is a little bit interesting, like the general trend I said for uh, you know, comparing the difference in differences techniques or the statistical analysis they said that, I said most of the shoes seem to be clustered around zero, kind of between plus and minus 1%. Uh, This one's a little bit different because it looks like a lot of people get a little bit faster after they switch to new shoes. So uh, you can imagine that if you switch to new shoes and then you find yourself not feeling great, you might switch back and you don't show up in this data set. Um, And conversely, I thought this was really interesting. This didn't happen very often, but they had a handful of data points, like a few dozen, where people wore vapor flies and then switched back to or switched to some other non vapor fly shoe, so going the other direction uh-huh. um, and they found that they did slow down, so take really that for what it's worth mm-hmm. what yeah that's um, really cool yeah, yeah, like I said, I thought this was really neat, all the different ways that they were poking and prodding at the data to try to figure out if you know it the thing that I thought was interesting was just you could tell they were trying to find a way to They're being very skeptical of, of the, of their own results. Right. And I like that. Right. It
0: seems almost like, almost like you can torture the data enough to find the answer that you want to find. But it seems like in this case, they're almost torturing the data to, you know, in order to not disprove, but to like figure out how uh, realistic their uh, result with one of the, with the first method that they chose is.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that's sort of fun as a runner right? I'm listening or I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking like, yeah, but here's all the other things that are going on that Mm. could affect how fast I'm running on any given day or anybody else is running. And so it's kind of interesting to watch them work their way through that and say like, Hey, we toggled this on and off. We toggled that on and off. We did it this other way. We did it a third way. We did it a fourth way. Like same general pattern is holding. So That to me is a much more robust result than we ran a regression this one time and this was the result. Um, Anyway, let me get to the fourth one now. This one is a little bit different than the other uh, three. It's a slightly different um, way of thinking about what it means to be fast. This was also the only method where the vapor fly did not come in first. It came in a very close second. Um, But the way that they did this analysis is how common is a personal record when switching shoes. So a personal record. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So a personal record is like, this is the fastest I've ever run this distance. Uh, Like the PR that I set on Saturday was an example of this. Um, And this is kind of nice because everybody knows their PRs. It's something that's, you can ask even on an individual basis and it's just clean and, and, and memorable to a runner in a way that um, difference in differences is not. But anyway, so what they did was they looked at what's the fastest time that someone, the fastest time that someone ran this distance when, and obviously you have to have multiple measurements of the same distance. uh, And what's the probability that they uh, set a personal record when they switch shoes and then break that down by all the different shoes that they looked at, um, and so most of the you know most of the pack is clustered around fifty fifty five percent of the time. Um, vapor plies are up at looks like above sixty five percent so again, same general trend
0: wow it's, and and the fifty fifty five percent it's because people tend to tend to run faster when they switch shoes generally
1: yeah that one was a little bit I'm not exactly sure how to think of that, and I didn't have quite uh, enough methodological detail there to give you like a really fine grained understanding of that got it
0: but still looking at the looking at the difference um sixty five versus fifty is pretty good
1: <laughs> yeah i mean if i if I heard that there was a shoe that I could switch to that gave me a sixty five percent chance that I would set a PR when I was wearing that shoe, I'd be like, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's not a bad deal. Um, I not really out to buy a pair of these shoes. Cause I like the shoes that I have right now, but, Oh, see, this is, this was my closing
0: cute. question for you hmm. is <laughs> having read all of this, <laughs> are you going to go shoe shopping for running shoes?
1: So I hear they're really hard to get, you know, oh. they have this. So, you know, part of, you can't just Nike, go out and buy one. Well, I mean, you, they sell out really fast. So uh, you know, there's bl- you can get them kind of on the on the black market, Not the black market. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but yeah, they website. sound like a hassle yeah, you to can track only down. Sell,
0: You can only pay in Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I just switched running shoes a few months ago. Uh, I've been wearing the same kind of shoes for years and years, and then I went out of town and I forgot to bring my shoes with me, and so I ended up hmm. buying a different pair when I was when I was there because I really really wanted to go running. And, and I really like my new shoes, (laughs) so I'm going to stick with them for a while. Uh, I, I just set a PR in them, so I'm, I'm pretty happy. And, oh, the other thing I really appreciated about them, these particular ones, they have a very loose kind of mesh on the top of them. So they're a little more breathable. You can imagine. And this race that I did on Saturday, it was pouring. It was like (laughs) the wettest you know, biggest rainstorm I've ever run through. And, um, anyway, I really appreciated it because I was just running through puddles the entire time. And so you just step in the puddle and all the water would just wash straight out of your shoe. And that was kind of nice. That's nice.
0: That does sound nice.
1: Um, yeah, Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with
0: my shoes. Running with these like bags of water attached to your feet is not fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was like squish, squish, squish every time you put your foot down. Uh, and... (laughs) Yeah, I was just dripping. Uh, it, I've, I've never been so soaked, but uh, <laughs> but it was a great race. It like I wasn't overheated, which is saying something for a half marathon in July in in Chicago. Yeah. Usually it's yeah. brutally hot, but it was seventy degrees and just pouring rain. Uh, so wow. you know, it went fine. <laughs> Honestly, uh,
0: that sounds incredible. One of the best runs I've ever had was. Uh, I was in Singapore and there was this torrential downpour and I happened to be in this, uh, we were walking around this like botanical garden and um, the thunder cracked and then the the sky kind of opened up and I turned to my partner and I'm like, I need to go running right now. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) okay, I'm going to go like stand under that shelter over there, but you can go running if you want to.
1: (laughs) That sounds really fun. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. Running in the rain is pretty, I mean, yeah, it's pretty fun once you just give up on trying to stay dry at all. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, if you're trying to stay dry, it's not very fun. Uh, so, um, good luck with your new adventures in exercise. Uh, if you're looking for a shoe a that's probably overkill, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can yeah. you can drop a few hundred bucks on these Vaporflies, and they'll probably make you 4%. 4% or, you know, some amount faster. I think I
0: think I can get 10% faster by just buying a pair of running shoes instead of the old sneakers that I have. That's a fair <laughs> So point. I'll start with yeah. that. I'll start with that.
1: All right. Sounds good. Linear
0: Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to lineardigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at lineardigressions.com and katie at lineardigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn digressions Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.